Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsburst.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. We're here. We're actually made it. We actually made it. This is on. Fantastic. It says we've actually made it. I'm waiting for people to appear in the right hand side. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. But we've made it. Somebody needs to check online. Oh, no, there's, there's somebody there. Great. I don't they will expect us to come on at about 10 past now. That's the thing. There she is. Rachel, Rachel is always first. She's like, Rachel's like coming home and your dog's wagging the tail behind the door. She's always there. And it's, just, it's like a warm hug seeing Rachel Mack come on. Amazing. Oh, great, 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 great. How's the last fortnight been with you? Um, uh, good, I suppose. What, what's happened in my life? I can't really think of anything. Brent, do you want to go first and I'll think of some light to make my life Oh, look, you know, uh, so much happens in life, isn't there? I think first thing I would want to say is to dedicate this to somebody who's uh, we've missed. Um, he passed away last week. Uh, she's the next president of the RFDS. And, you know, uh, Lynn Thompson, um, bless her, um, has passed away. And so I think if we can spend, you know, it puts everything into context, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think if we can spend some time being positive online, being positive with each other, um, which you guys, you know, viewing us always are, to be fair, I, you know, I'm amazed every week that you, we see you coming in with your comments. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, I think, that's the one thing that struck me and it sort of overshadows everything else, really. Sure does. Yeah. Lynn was yeah. actually the first editor of my of my book, Lynn on her mom, actually. Um, so when she had helped me out, she was the one that helped me out with uh, gastrointestinal kind of ideas because I looked at her as the kind of queen for that. She was over in New Zealand doing her thing. Very uh, successful business person as well. Very successful company. And she was the raw person in New Zealand and there. Uh, powerful intellect so should be or you two guys i was talking to lynn or maybe nick put me onto lynn but uh she was so helpful and um yeah that that is a serious loss so um yeah very sad to hear that for the news all right so right about trying to say say positive things because there's a whole lot of negative stuff coming down the radio waves at the moment as it has been for the last two years and we're like straight from one frying pan into another fire here with more next so it is very easy to get uh swamped with this negative stuff so um that said, I'm going to struggle to keep today's show very, very <laughs> positive because it is a touchy subject. Uh, Do you want me to anyway. type in a rant alert thing? Every yeah. Day? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be quiet and calm this week, but uh, I don't feel like I want to talk about my week now because I can't think of anything uh, very exciting that's happened. But uh, uh, yeah, so I don't really. We could oh, just get in straight can in. Can I bring in a book? Can I bring in a book? Okay. Oh, it would be weird if you didn't, Brad. <laughs> so... I've been doing a bit of review and, you know, I think um, I really like trying to cross-connect what we, humans are doing in functional medicine and what we're doing with animals. So just reviewing some of the text. Now, I'm not saying that this is the best book to read and follow, but Dave Asprey's um, Bulletproof Diet, which actually he's updated in his Audible version a little bit. So some of the things, I mean, some of his sense of humor is a little bit sort of, 10-year-old child, um, and he did think it was funny because it was relating to his son, and his son used to laugh at the joke. But 
if you can put that to one side, there's some really good little elements in there that sort of follow some of the stuff that we're talking about, gut healing, reduce, reduction of inflammation. Um, you know, so yeah, if you want to get on board with that, I would let's say, you know, take a look at that book and sort of review in light of some of the things that we've talked about over the last year. Do a little bit of a review of that. I'm just about to yeah. plow into Headstrong, which is actually supposed to be a review and a better version, but I love to get into people's heads and the process of how they got to a place rather than just get to the end tech that is the updated one. I love to sort of like understand that process um, and, and get there. Uh, a little bit like the paper you were talking about with um, bladderstones and calcium oxalates and stuff. Yeah, you know, no, interesting and, stuff. And that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To get behind, uh, uh, behind the is bulletproof, the is bulletproof the guy that got everyone putting butter in their coffee in the morning? Yeah, it's C8 uh, MCT oils, really. Mm. Um, yeah. and it was about has that, has, that not, has, that not come has that not come around again from all the, the functional nutritionists are kind of saying if you're just talking about keto now you're probably a few years behind um, is, that, is that what his new if you look into the depth of it a lot of people just felt it was keto and actually became really gaunt and wasted and you didn't have any glycogen reserves and there was all of this problem but if you listen to it carefully he does talk about using for humans some interpolated carbs at the right time of day, building up your glycogen stores. So there is interest there that a lot of people, it's how people interpret it, isn't it? How they read a text and they they fish out the bits that hit them in the brain and then they go off and do that and they're not necessarily looking at the whole picture. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's good for us and people like us on the human side to, to review that for people that are trying these diets and, and point out some of the weaknesses that are going on that they maybe have missed um, from those texts. And that's what I, I love. And then, you know, if we can draw that together for our pets and, and see how we can improve their lives in the same way, that'd be great. Let's, let's yeah. get into the show tonight. Uh, a lot of uh, stuff has been coming out. I mean, the industry will call us the darker side. I, I do believe that a lot of investment is being made to uh, induce fear and terror. And antimicrobial resistance seems to be a big thing um, coming up a lot. There's a few studies that have popped out, one in Portugal. Um, and the concern now is, it's always concern with feeding fresh food, is that there's a lot of uh, danger, danger to feeding fresh food. We can't compare the two products for nutrition, dare we dare to dream. And I would like to just come in. So some of the reasons that, resistance appeared so soon after the discovery of penicillin is that we need to understand there has been millions of years of competition between fungi you know yeast and, and single cellular fungi and, and all of that side of things and bacteria going on and what do they use they use effectively you know the fungi use antibiotics and the bacteria get resistant to it so they can reinvade that space. And that has been a competition that has gone on for so long. That's why natural antibiotic resistance is so readily seen. Um, and we need to understand this is not just because of our use of antibiotics. It has been going on before. And, you know, we need to understand that actually riverbeds will be full of bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. Uh, and some of that is because of how we've misused antibiotics, absolutely, and through cattle, et cetera. And some of it is purely natural resistance that's out there. So 
we've got to be really careful when we read some of the reports exactly what's going on with that. Why is antibiotic resistance there? Are we causing antibiotic resistance with the type of bacteria that may be in food? You know, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Or are we actually dealing with you no know, antibiotic resistances around everywhere? And actually, the new phase of trying to overcome that is by something we've talked about many, many times on here, you know, probiotics and actually pushing in more of the army of friendlies uh, to sort of starve out the, the horrible. On a, on a broader scale, I would have pointed the finger. I'm uh, asked uh, the uh, mass production of meat, and I really thought that the biggest problem was that. Now, probably because I'm obsessing about raw dog food, but even coming into raw dog food, I thought the way we're rearing animals, because people don't understand that salmonella and E. coli, the number one and two causes, we're going to get food poisons, uh, although the number one and two causes in humans isn't actually meat, it's actually fresh fruit and veg. It's from uh, fresh fruit and veg that hasn't been washed properly, so it does contain a bit of fecal matter, and then we get it. I think people kind of don't quite understand that salmonella E. coli is usually some sort of fecal contamination. So that's kind of interesting for me when we're talking about poisoning, because normally when you see it on lettuce and fruit, you don't associate it with, uh, with poop, you know? So, so with, and our problem here at the moment in the meat sector is that we have these mass-produced, uh, massive production facilities, and they, they kill chickens on a line. There's no humans involved, you know? They're, they're zapped in a bath upside down, heads chopped, all similar sizes. They're eviscerated by a machine, which is a hoover up the butt, and, or a vacuum cleaner, I should say, and uh, up the butt and just suck it out. And the, the, the gastrointestinal tract snapped at the throat and the anus, and they, they suck this goo out. For your chicken nuggets and dry pet food, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so you're left with this, you're left with this carcass. But what happens is that the inside of the gastrointestinal tract, you're invariably going to get some splashback as soon as that tube, that neat tube that keeps everything enclosed, the gut is enclosed. As soon as that breaks, you're going to get some splashback, and so the splashback doesn't happen in the chicken fillets and the wings and the drumstick because they're away from the chicken carcass center. Where you're going to get that splashback is actually the chicken carcass, the inside of the animal where the thing breaks. And what is raw dog food made on the necks and, and the carcass? But anyway, we know that I, when we talk about salmonella e. coli, it, it is, am I right in thinking that it is all from uh, polluted? Like, is it, is it not initially from a farm animal thing, or is it also uh, fecal contamination from infected humans in our food chain? Or, I was just blaming the intensive reared mega farms. I'm just blaming mega farms for everything. Because outdoor reared animals don't have the same microbial, uh, the nasty microbials that uh, intensive reared they guys. They do. Oh, yeah. They have, the same, <laughs> have like 300 yeah. times less salmonella, organic beef. Is that not right? No, no. So the more intensively reared the animal, the more likely the stress of that animal is going to reduce their uh, immune system and their ability to fight those infections or to have a normal gut flora that can outstrip those pathogenic. So of but course, also, there's going to be an increased, you know, nose to tail contamination. But I think if you went out and killed 100 squirrels, um, I'm sure you would come across some horrible bacteria at some point within the Yeah, there is small amounts yes. in the general population, but not like this huge amount in every cow that's been slaughtered. Like that's a different level of risk. Like there's a study there, 2021, even this is in the US, or their organic meat is 56% uh, less likely to contain multi-drug-resistant bacteria. But I actually saw some study where in, in the UK, outdoor reared meat was hundreds of times less likely to have the pathogenic salmonella because 
they're not like animals pooing on top of each other type thing. The CAFOs of the state, you know, that that's just obviously going to be horrible because you've just got cows, you know, around food, you know, that's in a trough, they'll turn around, you know, that's yeah, contaminated yeah, as soon as they, the cows turn. You know, you've got that recycling scenario going on, whereas in more expansive farming, of course, there's less of that contaminant. Okay, so, yeah. But it's about how you can improve their general gut flora if they've got more expansive grazing, et cetera. Not necessarily that it's just that recycling and building of those um, horrible bacteria. I was talking to Joe, the guy who has the, uh, that, uh, has Lusa probiotics. And uh, at least in the UK, Ireland, he's got the distributorship. It's a Luxembourg product, I think, or something like that. Anyway, um, he was the guy who first turned me on to the, this study, two big studies of two hospitals in Italy, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally ruin the, bastardize the data here, but in short, they compared uh, uh, like antibacterial spray downs of their hospitals and their cleaning floors and surfaces and stuff with antibacterial wash, as most people do in their houses, and compared it with a probiotic uh, cleaning down solution, essentially clay wash, but with a fancy name, lactobacillus bifido in some water sprayed on the surface. And the idea is, as you said, Nick, and as people are aware, most of us here, we've pushed on answers, pet food, and the story behind that, smoke once or twice. But these hospitals took the unbelievable leap to compare the two. And they found that when you use probiotics, it doesn't work absolutely instantly as antibacterial does. But antibacterial doesn't kill everybody because the ground, when you're at a size of a bacteria, is like a mounted rain. You think it's a smooth piece of grass, but cavernous. And when you wipe the surface with antibacterial, you're killing a small amount of them, and you're leaving some little hardy lads left who will grow back lickety split an hour, maybe two, and that surface has just been recolonized with bad bacteria that you didn't even know was there. So it's ridiculous to think of cleaning down my kitchen with antibacterial. An hour later, you might as well have walked on it. So these probiotics, you spray them on the surface, and they just get the nibbling. And if you put enough of them down and repeat it, you know, morning and night, your cleaners come through the hospital. After two days, it takes 48 hours. The resistance to bad bacteria, like of um, four of the six most nasty antibiotic resistant bacteria that plague hospitals. They've got a certain name, but they live in hospitals and kill people. Uh, four out of the six were just down on the ground because of these probiotic sprays. And what's more, the probiotic sprays would be safe. You could eat your dinner off the floor and not worry about it. Um, I thought a great ad for Lusta's product, L-U-C-A-A. Check them out, make a lot of product for pets. Very good result in all sorts of issues. I do, I've got a lot of the faith in it. But I thought like a great ad is like when you spray down your babies, I've got kids at home, baby food, and when you finish, you're looking at the manky table jammed and mashed into. And it's like, how am I even going to get that off? And so you're cleaning it, and then inevitably there's an antibacterial spray. The temptation is when you're finished cleaning it down, clean it with antibacterial spray so it's nice and clean. That's the temptation. And I thought a great ad would be a probiotic spray would be the alternative. After you've washed it down with a wet cloth, that's reasonably clean, I imagine, if it's in your kitchen, that you give it a probiotic spray and off you go and you leave it there. And a great ad for those products would be a probiotic spray and you spray it on your, on your finger and you put it in a baby's mouth. You would never do that with antibacterial spray. And you need to ask yourself why. Because antibacterial sprays are nasty. We put these antibacterials in dry food and brag about that food is chemically inert. Isn't that great? That is napalm in your dog's good floor. As are the treats they're fed and the rawhide chews and all the crap, crap, crap antibiotics. When you get a good issue from this crap food, what do you get? Antibiotics. So now you've got this probiotic approach uh, that I just thought was wonderful. And the more the guy talked to me, so got his products in about a month or two ago. Shout out to him, fair play, Joe. And I got a probiotic spray from my or wash from my floor. You put a cap into warm water, clean the floor. I've got this two-liter jugger of this green liquid that smells like mint. 
and I put a tiny bit in my spray bottle and I wash it down after I've cleaned the surfaces, spray down a bit of probiotic. Now I'm not worried at all. I was always looking at the baby falling on the floor, picking up stuff off the floor after we had washed it with Dettol. Um, I didn't mean to say that, with antibacterial. And I'm thinking, <laughs> how good? How good is that, that she's crawling around licking her fingers and eating food off the floor? I was more worried about the antibacterial I put on the floor. But if you know and now, compounds going down to poison the family. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, VOCs and all the crap that's in that. And now it's like, I just washed the floor with the mop. It's not dirty. So why am I putting antibacterial in there? It's a false economy. You think you're cleaning your surface. And studies show, unless you're like surgically getting in there with a heavy brush and heavy, you know, you know Milton and that kind of stuff. Other than that, that surface is, is going to be recolonized in a heartbeat. It's in the air. The stuff is just landing back down on top of it in a, in a second. So uh, that was a real eye-opener talking to him. And the hospital studies, I will share them on Patreon uh, now. But they are just air gold books, yeah. A recent study you were talking about, Connor, have you um, got some insights was, into that? Yes, very, very alarmist indeed. Um, I, I popped it up. From now on, I'm, I'm going to put my jog notes on Patreon before I come on. So people will see there on uh, Patreon, rawpetmedics on patreon.com. So, uh, yeah, those two studies have come out. But the industry at the moment is pushing, pushing, pushing the problem with raw dog food. And the problem we have is that, let's say in the US, which is way worse than here, in the US, they are permitted to have 6 to 10% salmonella, up to 16% campylobacteria in their foods that are coming off the line, uh, let alone the stuff that sits on supermarket shelves. They're permitted this in the food chain. But raw dog food in the US has to have zero salmonella and E. coli, so that, or as Campylobacter, which is very difficult if the ingredients they're getting actually have the stuff on it. And you don't add anything in there like chemicals to, to get rid of it. So raw dog food is up against it. Dry pet food uses chemicals and the ultra processing to, 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 to kill the bacteria. Raw dog food doesn't have that. So the raw dog food companies in the US are coming up with some novel ideas, answers to pet food, we've talked about them before. They use high pressure tolling to squish all the life out of it. But Europe and the UK were scared silly after BSE and we cleaned up our meat chains as much as we could and we permit zero salmonella and E. coli in our products for humans and for raw dog food. So raw dog food is easier to make here in Europe because we get the ingredients that we assume is clean, studies show they're not, Fully, you know, you can't get this out of the food chain if you're going to intensively rear chickens and cattle. It's just not possible. Well, we're told that the ingredients are perfectly safe. And yet, as a producer, and I was on for two or three years, you check the ingredients and it's like now and again they fail. And you go back to this massive multi million meat industry and you say, uh, Hi, I'm the tiny little quirk that's out in Wicklow making a tiny bit of dog food. And they go, Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, we just won't give you that food anymore. See you later. And you're put off and your supply is gone. There's not like this dealing with the lab assistant who sends it their antimicrobial readings. Believe me, that's not, not what's happening in Ireland. It sure as hell not what's happening in Britain either. So, so we have that problem. The raw dog food skews up, grinds it all up, freezes it, and sends it back to you. Freezing doesn't kill any nasty bacteria that we're concerned about here, Staminelli coli, to any degree worth a mention. And we defrost the food. And studies show when you test those foods in Holland, in the UK, that some of them are failing for salmonella, as is dry food when you test dry food. We've done a number of studies of dry food. There are studies of dry food containing antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Susan picked and picked 12 off the shelf, and nine of them failed for hazardous bacteria off the shelf just in one little test. So dry food has these issues, and dry food has, has given 132 people salmonella over a decade. In a decade where raw dog food poisoned exactly zero people in the studies. But we know there's a problem with dry food as well, but it's all talk about raw. So this is where we are until we start producing studies to counter it and go, look how filthy dry food is. Look at the studies where humans are getting infected. 
of two latest studies, and I get your question, Brent, uh, is that uh, yeah, Europe is, is your raw dog food is not going to be perfectly clean, as well intentioned as everybody is, just not possible. And you're always going to have a few cowboys. You know, there's good, great raw dog food products. There's plenty of people selling really cheap beef at the back of a van, and people are more than happy to buy it because they're four German shepherds, and it's like can't afford to feed them any other way. But here's the two latest studies that the industry, I'll say, is beating the raw dog food industry with because fresh is dangerous, of course, dangerous to feed the animals fresh food. But the first one was a few years ago, UK dog, uh, and they found that there was antibiotic resistant uh, E. coli in the feces of these uh, dogs. In fact, uh, raw fed dogs were five times more likely to have it. 25% of the stool samples that they selected. I'm not sure where those dogs came from. If you went to a greyhound industry, you will find dogs eating crap quality meat. So you're going to find more issues in the food. So when we have studies of contaminated dogs, in fact, the one or two studies we have of dogs getting salmonella osis, both greyhound dog studies, highly stressed, fed crap quality food. Sorry, greyhound industry. But that's where you find the dirties. The dirties are. So I'm not quite sure where they got these dogs where 25% had their uh, antibiotic resistance E. coli, because that sounds incredibly high compared to the other studies they have. But who knows? I'm not going to doubt them. What they did find in 5% of the dry-fed dogs, they also had uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria. So that was, okay, it's a bit of a warning. Raw-fed dog eating really poor quality raw dog food. It's to be considered, in my opinion. The second study has a major issue, um, and they are saying that they tested puppies within a 50-kilometer radius of human urinary tract infections. And uh, if how on earth did they do that? I swear to God, listen, I'll read, I'll read it out for a bottom, you'll enjoy this. Comparisons between E. coli isolates from puppies known to be located within a 50 by 50 kilometer region with those isolated from urinary tract infections, human urinary infections, isolated in parallel in the same region. We conclude that raw feeding is associated with carriage of ABR antibiotics in E. coli. Uh, it is. Uh, even at 16 weeks, that bacteria carried by puppies are shared with humans. So they said that bacteria is shared with humans. And that is absolutely not what they found. What they found was they isolated it in these puppies and then they isolated it in these humans. And they said, maybe that's the link. When people do proper studies investigating this, like Helsinki did with their 16,000 households, have you ever encountered uh, infection from your pet food? And so you're asking someone looking back over years Many dogs, thousands of meals each person, and they found two or three samples where they reckon they might have got it sick from the dog. And then most recently, Nikki Desicrantis, 6,000 households, zero linked to raw dog food. So it seems to be an incredibly safe thing to do. In fact, Helsinki suggested there might be an oral vaccination approach to having this food and living with this stuff in and around the household, which I don't want to get into the reason about. Point is, when we look at it, there's zero evidence of this. There's only evidence that dry food is causing this. And yet this is the same thing popping up. But it's not a reason to get complacent because there is, God knows, we need to do a show on bad quality raw dog food as well because there's more and more people selling bags of chicken, bags of beef. But it's not labeled. There's no company number. There's no recourse for you. And really poor quality meat with poor refrigeration and poor handling practices is nasty. And that if you feed dogs that nasty meat, they're more likely to do it the nasty meat. So I believe... In there is raw dog food weakness because you know that that's the that's the summary of where we are. Those two most recent studies didn't find an issue. It was a suggested that this may be an issue, but that's not the language they use. They use is associated, are, or we did what is a problem to humans. No, it's not. It may be, but there's no evidence of that yet. And when we look for it, it's not there. So more. Mm -hmm. I, would, I always use the example of 
you know, the practice before I was even there, you know, they were advising on raw food feeding. So over 30 years, the practice in Northwest Leeds has been advising on raw food feeding. If, if, if it was a definitive that raw food feeding was spreading nasty E. coli and salmonella infections to their parents, their, their you know, families, um, then why hasn't Public Health England been all over the northwest of Leeds? Yeah. And if you're out there, yeah. I challenge you, I actually challenge you to come to the northwest of Leeds and show me the cases, okay, of yeah. where that's gone, because it's not out there. It, it's a yeah. proposed risk. We're back to this, you know, there's a proposed minimal risk, but because it's a risk that we can't say is never going to happen, we get beaten with it. And I think that's yeah. something to be... Uh, said, you know, I thought there'd just be a couple of um, raw food producers in uh, Scotland and Food Standards Agency Scotland, um, uh, having a chat to them, uh, they actually have said there's 50, 50, five zero producers of raw food just in Scotland under their remit. Um, what? No way. A lot of those are companies that are effectively going out there and, and that meat that you said, no, I don't want it, it's contaminated. They go out there and they just say, we can sell you this, that, X. And those, those people just take it on. Yeah, I want to touch that one more, more time. With, uh, like, raw dog food is the canary in the gold mine for an issue that most people don't realise you have until you work with the meat industry. The meat industry, when you work with it, teaches you. The meat industry has major issues. And you only when you work on the inside of it do you know what they are. For example, you're a raw dog food manufacturer. You get offered all sorts all the time. So people will pull up outside your door within a van with uh, 10 dead deer in the back and go, do you want some venison for your raw dog food? And unfortunately, some people say yes to that. But you need a vet to go through those and make sure that they don't have TB and whatever else. You know, there's, a, there's a proper procedure in place. But proper pr procedures are expensive. I don't want to spend the money. I want all the margin for myself. So you take the venison in, stew it up, sell it as top quality medicine and make lots of money. It is very hard to say no to that. Listen to this first, that. Um, somebody was just comparing about the different levels of bacteria in humans as well. Listen to this. Incidentally, pigs in the Netherlands are reared in such deplorable conditions that workers in the sheds are 760 times more likely to test positive for MRSA than the general public. 760 times more likely those people, they go home to their families and they spread it and everything else. So it's like we have a major problem with our meat chain and uh, I'm not sure how that's going to clear up, but if this was a lesson to say, the biggest tip you could give for avoiding antibiotic-resistant bacteria would be going with reputable companies because reputable companies, when they're offered cheap venison, uh, when they're offered chicken that's two years, it's got a shelf life in deep freeze of six months, I think. Some parts can get up to a year, year and a half. But when they're finished their shelf life at a year and a half, that company has to get rid of that and it's supposed to be incinerated. Do you think that every meat reseller, it's a, that industry, the wholesaling meat sector, so the people that produce the meat are selling birds for 30p, 40p, whole animals. When the guys that get the meat and distribute it, they are working on tiny, fine margins. And if they have four or five tons of chicken wings that are now 18 months past their, or past their date, they don't just go to the local rendering plant and incinerate it. Bye-bye product. Not where I'll drive it out there and spend my money in diesel and staff member or call in the renderer and incinerate what they do is they find someone to sell it to. Find the greyhound lad that will buy half a ton of chicken wings off me, that find the raw dog food producer that will take it and do it up as chicken. And that's where the dodgy stuff can happen. And it happens all the time. And it particularly happens with companies 
that don't even stick their name on the bag. If you are buying that stuff, it's not that you're dancing with death. It's not like a dog's going to go four calls up. But you are increasing that the danger stuff in the food. And that's maybe a talk for another day. The top companies don't risk that because you have to have very serious in-out procedures and vets are coming in constantly keep an eye on them because they're multi-million. It's the smaller companies who are trying to get off the ground and, you know, the temptation is it's difficult for people. Most of them are fine, but, you know, um, there's money to be made. How about next week, just as a thought, we do bad raw food and how to spot it? Oh, that's a, that's a gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good and bad bad pre-made. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And complete. What is is complete? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a a rabbit hole. It's a pretty juicy one. So yeah, for next week, we're going to do uh, bad raw food and how to spot it. And and God bless you all for watching us today and putting up with our... uh, uh, little rants here and there. So, <laughs> yeah, sorry, that uh, was a bit ranty, wasn't it? <laughs> I was holding back. So, I was holding back. So, yeah. yeah. So we look forward to seeing you next week. So it's how to spot for raw food. And yeah. you know, we're quite happy to hang that out there and to help people. So, yeah. you know. Um, let's, we're obliged let's to, to, guys. We're obliged yeah, to. Yeah, we are obliged to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Still. Okay, fantastic. Juicy. Great. See you later, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Blind, 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 blind,